0: to Victory, a Labang podcast. We hope this message encourages and inspires you today. So allow me to read our text this morning. It's uh, taken from the Old Testament in 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14. We'll just be reading one verse and uh, we'll take it from there. Uh, this is actually the time when Solomon was dedicating the temple and the Lord spoke to him and said this particular statement to him. And it's a very familiar statement for many of us. Let me just read this. 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 13, uh, 14. And it says, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sins and I will heal their land. This is the word of the Lord. Let's bow heads and pray. Father, thank you so much for our time this morning. And may we as your people, may the church, and even for those of us who are new here, I pray, God, that you would allow us to understand your call for us during this time of crisis. Help us to respond the way you expect us to respond as the people of God who are called by your name. Bless the preaching of your word this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You know, this is the time when Solomon, King Solomon, was just newly uh, built and finished the temple. Uh, He finished the palace. He finished the temple of the Lord. He just moved the Ark of the Covenant there. And there was a big feast that he was, you know, celebrating with all the people. And as he was, uh, you know, putting the uh, offerings on the altar, In the beginning verse of chapter 7 of Second Chronicles, the Bible says that fire came down from heaven and consumed the altar. And the presence of God filled the temple that not even the priests could actually enter because the presence of God was so thick during that time. And what an amazing story. It was an amazing event when the presence of God would be felt by the people and they were rejoicing. And so after the feast was over, one night, the Lord appeared to Solomon and said this, that I have chosen this place as a place of sacrifice, as a place wherein I can actually hear from heaven because I have chosen this place. And so, you know, the Lord said that verse that we have read earlier in verse 14, but there's a context to that. And I'd like us to read the the verse previous to that, uh, which the Lord has mentioned. Thus, he mentioned the promise that we have just read a while ago. And he said this, in verse 13 of 2 Chronicles chapter 7, when I shut up the heavens so that there is no rain or command the locust to devour the land or send pestilence among the people. And that was like the verse 13 before we've read verse 14. And then he said, if my people are called by my name and so on and so forth. You know, God spoke about pestilence. God spoke about plague. And what's interesting is we're going through a similar situation right now, not only in our nation, but in the nations of the world. I think today, as we speak, there's over 2 million cases of coronavirus infections. There's about 130,000 people who died because of this this virus. There's a global recession happening and people are feeling it. There's a lot of people losing jobs. There's a lot of businesses going down. And it's definitely a plague, a, a pestilence, And God said that to Solomon then. And I believe that this is also applicable to us now. That as we see this plague that has happened and this pandemic that's impacting and infecting the entire world, I believe that there is something that the people of God ought to do. And coming from this verse that we have read earlier in verse 14, it is a great promise. This verse is packed with the promise of God. However, there is something that the people of God needed to do first before we see the promise of God fulfilled. And so who is God referring to this when he was talking about this? Yes, of course, when he was talking to Solomon, he was referring to the Israelites during that time. And I believe also that today as we read this word and as we apply this word and make it relevant to our lives today, I believe that this word is applicable to the church. And if you are a born-again Christian, if you're a believer If you're a follower of Christ, if you're a disciple of Jesus, guess what? He's talking to you. And God is saying, if my people, and that's you, look at the person beside you, maybe you're with your parents, maybe you're with your sibling, just tell them he's talking to you. He's talking to all of us. And if you are a follower of Christ, if you're a believer, if you're a Christian, God said, if my people who are called by my name, the reason why we're called Christians is because we bear the name of Christ. You know, God gave us this name that we're bearing. And when we live it out, maybe in our jobs, in our school, in our neighborhood, people would see us as followers of Jesus. Guess what? We're bearing the name of Christ, the testimony of Jesus in our lives. And so I believe that when you talk about a church, a church is not just, you know, a building that we meet in. You know, in fact, you don't see buildings open right now anymore. There's no mass gatherings our, you know, our the the church in the mall is closed. The church in the hotel is closed. The You know, in the cinemas, they're all closed. But guess what? The church is still going on. It's open 24-7 because the church is not confined to a building. The church is a people. And God called His people. That's the church. And He said this, If my people, He didn't say if my building. God said if my people who are called by my name, would do these things, then I will do these three things. I will hear from heaven, I will forgive, and I will heal. That's exactly what we need during this time. In fact, they're looking for a cure for this virus right now. Scientists are still trying to discover a vaccine. Guess what? We don't know when the cure will come, but we know the solution to this problem, and that's God himself. And so what is God expecting for his people to do? And I want to share three things this morning. These three things are very simple. The church, you and I, the people of God, should live out these three things. We are first to live humbly. We're to live hungry. And we're to live holy. Humbly, tell the person beside you, uh, you know, if you're watching in the, in the living room, maybe you, with, your, 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 with your family, tell the person you are to live humbly. And then the second is you are to live hungry. I know that all of us, you know, are always hungry. Uh, You know, we find our children always in the kitchen, always opening the ref. You know, I'm not talking about that hunger. Okay, we're going to talk about another hunger. And then the third is you are to live holy lives before God. And so let's break it down. In, In verse 14, it says, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves. First thing that we need to do as a people of God, as a church, is this. Humble yourself. You know, in Hebrew, it literally means bend your knee. That is what humbling means. Nowadays, we've heard of this social distancing phrase. In fact, social distancing might be added to Merriam Dictionary or Webster Dictionary, rather, uh, in uh, the new words for 2020. Social distancing is actually the distance between you and the person uh, that you're talking to. Maybe a safe distance is about maybe two or three meters is a good distance but I believe that the most important distance right now for the church to be conscious of is not just the two to three meters away from one another, but it's 18 inches. Yes, that's right. You've heard me. 18 inches. What does 18 inches mean? 18 inches is actually the distance between your knee to, your, to the floor. And all we need to do right now is to bend our knees and humble ourselves and cry out to God and say, God, help us. Help us during this time of pandemic. We're crying out to you. We're humbling ourselves. You know, humility means to recognize that God is sovereign and that we are not in charge. That is what humility is all about. You know, we're not trying to find ways or solutions to fix our problems. Yes, we're doing our part in being responsible staying at home, washing your hands, you know, making sure that we're praying for people. But you know what? The ultimate agent of change is God Himself. If the people of God would just just learn to humble themselves, humility recognizes our limitations before the Lord, that we can actually do nothing and that God can do anything. He can do all things. He is powerful. He is miraculous. He is almighty God. He is the one who can actually create new things. He, he created the heavens and the earth. And I believe that he can create a cure for this virus and this pandemic. My question for us today is this. Are you humble? Are you maintaining a humble spirit before the Lord? Or do you consider yourself as humble? You know, how many of you would raise up your hand and say, Pastor, I am humble? You know, uh, of course, if you know if you do that, I'm not sure if you're understanding what I'm saying. But humbling yourself is not just about bowing down, by the way. Humbling oneself really speaks about bringing down one's heart and one's spirit. Aside from the physical posture of bowing down 18 inches, it's bowing down our spirit and bowing down our heart before the Lord. It's lowering of one's view of himself. In fact, a definition I've, uh, I've seen is, a humility is the posture when we rightly understand our place before God. We know that we are created beings and we know that He is creator and that we are to put our right place before the Lord Almighty. It means having the right perspective before God. It's recognizing that we are small before God. He's so big that we magnify Him. We magnify the Lord over our situation. We magnify the Lord over our problems. We magnify the Lord over this pandemic. We would like to see God move. And we know that it's not about us that can help solve this problem. It's God Himself that will solve this problem. You know, when you talk about humility, the only person who can make you humble is you. Not your spouse, not your children, not your pastor, not your victory group leader. It's you. It's you realizing that you need to humble yourself before the Lord. Or guess what? If you don't humble yourself, God Will humble us. And my question for us this morning is: When was the last time that we actually bow down our knees before the Lord and humble ourselves and say, "God, I can't do this. It's not about me. I need Your help. I need Your intervention." You know, it's it's easy to detect pride, and it's easy to detect humility as well. In fact, the easiest test of pride is when you get angry. With other people, because you feel that they're not treating you right, that's the easiest test of pride. Sometimes, when you feel like it's you know unfair the way you were treated, you know, like for example, the reason why there's a lot of road rage nowadays, you know, of course nowadays there's no car uh, being used in the streets, but you know the reason why there's a lot of uh, you know when when we used to drive, when we were driving, back the t- during the time when there's traffic on the road. The reason why there's a lot of road rage is because of pride. We felt like the, the, the car that caught us did not treat us right. And what we want is we want to let them know and we want to put them in their place that we were insulted. And I believe that if we will humble ourselves, and this is tough, we will just let go and we will just say, just say, God bless you. You know, humbling ourselves is really, not natural for us. You know, what do you do when your boss does not treat you right or prefers another employee? What do you do when your spouse, you know, corrects you because of an attitude that he or she sees in you and you don't even recognize? And he or she decides to tell you this, and you could not even receive that correction from your spouse. One of the hardest battles to win is really the battle of humbling ourselves. The A powerful preacher back in the 1800s said this. When asked about the greatest trial in his life, he said this. His response was keeping the El Moody humble. That was his greatest trial. James chapter 4, verse 6 says, God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Let's humble ourselves before the Lord. Let's bow our, our, our hearts, our spirit before God, recognizing that he is the one who's in charge, he's the one in control not us. Second thing about what people need to do is uh, to respond to see the breakthroughs from God is this, we're not only to live humbly before God, we're also to live hungry for God. You know, the the second part of that particular verse that we've read is, he said, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my faith. So I actually joined together the prayer part and the seeking God's face. To pray means to hunger for God's intervention. And to seek God's face is to hunger for God's revelation or God's presence. And so the question for us today is, as a, people, as a people of God is, are you hungry for God? Are you hungry for prayer? Are you hungry to seek the Lord? You know, when you talk about prayer, prayer, as I said earlier, is to hunger for God to intervene for God to do something about this situation. We're asking God, we're crying out. And that's the call of the churches nowadays, that the church of God all over the world would cry out to him and say, God, enough, God, you know, please help us. We plead for your mercy and for your compassion. And that's, you know, when we remind ourselves that God is faithful, God never forgets his covenant promise with us. But He wants us to participate in this. He wants us to cry out to Him. He he wants us to depend on Him. We are hungry and longing for God to step into our situation and to do something about this pestilence and about this plague that we're seeing right now happening around the world. Prayer is acknowledging that God is the ultimate solution to man's problem. You know, and I realize that when there are problems, we go to certain people to Cover or to answer those problems. For example, if you feel sick, feel sick, you go to a doctor. If you want counseling, you go to a counselor. If you need, uh, you know, some help financially, maybe you go to a bank or you go to a financial expert. And so, normally, when we have a need, we go to a certain person. But guess what? I believe that the best person, or the guest, you know, uh, uh of God to go is God himself, the best person to go to. You know, whenever we are in need of something, let's go to God. You know, we need to have a direct connection from us to God. And, you know, that's a, the beautiful uh, description of prayer because prayer is actually a conversation with God. You know, prayers not just presenting God with a lot of requests or lists. It's a relationship with God. Let me tell you this, the cure for COVID-19 does not rest on the hands of men, but on the grace of God. All we need to do right now is to pray and ask God, Lord, help us. You know, we're looking for a solution for this. There's always a solution. God himself is the solution. We don't know when that cure will come, but we know that God is the solution to this problem. In fact, as I talk about prayer, there's a prayer movement that's happening globally, and it's called the Unite 714. And in fact, you can actually join this. It's a prayer movement. You can visit their website. Every Nation uh, Global is part of this. We're part of this also, Victory Churches and Every Nation Philippines. So go and visit uh, unite714.com and enlist yourself. You know, whether you're a leader, a pastor, or a a church member, we're enjoining everybody to come and pray every single day. Uh, Two times, one voice, 7.14 a.m., 7.14 p.m., we're crying out as a church, the universal church of Christ, and asking the Lord, Lord, help us stop this pandemic, cure this sickness, and do a spiritual awakening among the nations. And that's exactly what we want to uh, declare. In First John chapter 5, verse 14, an encouraging promise also written by John the Beloved. And he said this, And this is the confidence that we have toward him, that if we ask anything, Everybody say anything. Can you say that word with me? Anything. Anything. If we ask anything according to this, uh, to his will, he hears us. This is the confidence. When we pray to God, when we ask for his will, when we, do you know that it's God's will for healing to come? And he's waiting for us, the church, to not lose our saltiness, to preserve, to be a preserving agent, to cry out on behalf of the nations. You know what? He's not expecting the world to do this. He's expecting his people to do this. So we need to be hungry in prayer. We need to be hungry also in seeking his face. Seeking his face is hunger for God's revelation and God's presence. You know, to seek his face means simply means this. You want God more than anything else. That's it. That is what it means to seek God's face. You know, one time, one of my younger daughters uh, just approached me and just wanted to just stay beside me. And, you know, I was reading. Actually, I was studying, I think, during that time. And uh, when I asked her, "Uh, okay, why are you here? What do you need? And this is what she said to me. I just want to be with you. I just want to hang out with you. And I was just wondering, don't you need anything? And he just said that. I just want to stay here with you. Wow. And I believe that in the same way, when we approach God and when we talk to Him, not because we have an agenda, not because we have a list. Yes, God is expecting us to pray, but we are also to hunger to seek His face. We long to have the presence of God. In other words, we're not just seeking the hand of God, but we're also seeking the face of God. What does it mean for us to seek the face of God? To seek the face of God means to enjoy His presence. To seek the face of God means to just commune with Him. To seek the face of God is just to spend time with Him in maybe solitude or silence and say, God, speak to me for your servant is listening. Encourage me. Give me hope. Give me peace. You know what? When you talk about peace and hope, the world cannot offer peace and hope. Only God can offer peace and hope. And the only way that you and I can actually receive peace and hope is by spending uh, time with God and by seeking His face every day. When was the last time you spoke to God and just said these words? I just want to be with you. Without asking for anything, without asking for provision, without asking for a new wife, uh, a spouse if you're single, without asking for a new house, without asking for anything, you just say to God, I just want to be with you. And God wants that attitude as His children for us to be able to spend time with Him. And God does not mind us to pray and that's, you know, part of this Promised. Yes, He wants us to cry out to Him. He wants us to intercede. He wants us to cry out to God for help. But yet another portion of this is seeking God, spending time with Him, enjoying His presence, enjoying His faithfulness, recounting the years when God provided for us, thanking Him and being grateful for everything that He has done for us. When was the last time that you and I thank God for what He's done? When was the last time that you actually were, was longing for God? You were longing for God's presence to be felt and you just wanted his peace to flood your heart. Matthew chapter 6, verse 33 is so familiar. And it says, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things. All these things will be added to you as well. We're not to seek things, we're not to seek stuff, we're to seek God. We're to seek God in his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things. He promised that he'll be added to us. When we hunger for the revelation of who God is, guess what? He will reveal himself to us. And God said, you know, God is not playing hide and seek with us. You know, he wants us to seek him. The Bible says, when you seek him, you shall find him. If you seek him with all your heart. And I believe that as you seek God and as you listen to his voice, he will plainly speak to you. And you will have that assurance that he loves you. And he cares for you. You know, I remember the time when King Jehoshaphat was crying out to the Lord. in 2 Chronicles chapter 20. There's a massive army attacking them. The Moabites, the Ammonites. And he was clueless on what to do. In verse 12 of 2 Chronicles chapter 20, this is what he said. Lord, we don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. And guess what? the same declaration right now that we have as Christians, as believers, as a church, we don't know what to do. We don't know when this new vaccine will come out. We don't know when this lockdown will be over. We don't know what will happen with our businesses, our jobs, with, you know, the things that are happening around the world. We don't know what to do. But guess what? Our eyes are on God. Fix our eyes on Jesus during this time. Let me just encourage you. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Pray seek his face, and I believe that God will reveal himself to you. And lastly, the third thing we need to do as a people of God is we need to live holy before God. And the Bible says to turn from their wicked ways. If my people will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I'm talking about repentance. When you turn from your, from the, your wicked ways, it is about repentance. 180 degree turn. You're walking this path before You're doing a 180 degree and you are now turning away from your path of sin and wickedness and you're turning back to God. That is what repentance is all about. And guess what? When you talk about this, God was not talking about the world. He's talking to his people and he was speaking this to Solomon. And I believe that even today, God wants the church to respond first. Judgment does begin in the house of God. And God is addressing us, his people, to turn from our wicked ways, to repent, to humble ourselves before God. And there's a, there's anything that we have done that is not pleasing to him, may we turn away from those things. And Isaiah chapter 59, verse 2, it says, but your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not hear. My question for us this morning is, are there any sins that's hindering your relationship with God, from you communing with him, are there any distractions in your life? Any impurity? Anything, maybe pride, maybe bitterness, unforgiveness in our hearts that's not helping us in our communing with God. And so we need to get rid of this. If we want God to hear our prayers, guess what? We need to turn away from our sins and we need to turn back to God. 1 John chapter 1, verse 9 talks about A wonderful promise. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and purify us from all. Everybody say all. From all unrighteousness. Not just some unrighteousness, but from all unrighteousness. And all we need to do is to confess our sins. Humble ourselves before God. Confess our sins and turn from those wicked ways. In fact, D.L. Moody, every time he closes... His church service, when he would dismiss his people, he would say these words, do not walk out those doors without getting clean with God because until you get clean, you are going nowhere. Before he dismissed the service, he would tell them, live holy lives before the Lord. Even Joshua, when they were about to cross, uh, you know, after crossing the, the, river, about the river Jordan, about to enter the promised land, he said this to consecrate yourselves. Because tomorrow you will see amazing things that the Lord will do before you. And I believe, church, that we need to, you know, live holy lives, consecrate ourselves during this time. We need to humble ourselves, we need to pray, we need to seek God more than ever, turn from our wicked ways. The beautiful promise of God is this: when we do these things as the people of God, He promised that He will hear from heaven, He will forgive our sins, and He will heal. Not only our sickness, but He will heal our land. And that's what we need right now. We need healing in our lands. Different nations are crying out to Him, crying out for, you know, um, solutions to this pandemic. And there's only one person who can help us. That is God Himself. He will heal. He will heal from heaven, forgive our sins, heal our land. Prayer works. I encourage all of us to continue to cry out to God, to pray. To humble ourselves because God will listen. Guess what? When we pray, God moves. What's interesting is the next verse, right after verse 14 that we've read, and I want to end with this verse. It says here, God himself was talking to Solomon and he said, Now my eyes will be open and my ears attentive to the prayer that is made in this place. If the people of God who are called by his name will humble themselves, and pray, and seek His face, and turn from the wicked ways, then He will hear, forgive, and heal, and He will open His eyes and ears, and become attentive to the prayers of the saints. So I end, this is my main point. When God's people humble themselves to pray and repent, God will hear and For listening, make sure to subscribe and follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. Feel free to share this message with your friends too. For more information about our church, visit our website at www.victoryalamang.church.